Welcome to the Eternal Connection, a radio broadcast ministry of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Whether it be through prescribed behaviors, rituals, or practices, every religion in the world teaches that if we desire to know God, it is our responsibility to find Him and know Him. Christianity, however, teaches something very different. Christianity teaches that God has come to us and has revealed His love for us by putting on flesh in Jesus Christ and by giving us His Word through which He continues to speak to us today. We're glad you've joined us as Pastor Jay continues leading us through the Bible right here, right now on The Eternal Connection. And for the second time in 2024, you are eternally connected. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. This is Pastor Eric J. from St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Thrilled that you're choosing to begin your new year with us again as we continue our study of God's Word, His Word that endures forever. As the prophet Isaiah said at some point, Heaven and earth are going to pass away. 2024, 25, 26, we don't know when. Come on, Lord. But Jesus is coming, but what will remain is his word that never fails and always proves faithful. And that's what we're all about here on this show. As we continue working through the book of Galatians, uh, a short little book that we're making our way through pretty good. It's kind of like trudging through a short lake of mud. Right. Well, and and (laughs) today's going to be no different. (laughs) Jam-packed with content that we are are pulling apart here as much as we can in 28-minute segments. But before we get into Galatians, we have got to make uh, another Another announcement about an exciting event coming up, but also a point of clarification. Um, the past two weeks, we've been announcing our 200th or 200th episode that's going to air on the 28th of January. Yes, and it is going to air on the 28th of January, but we can't also record it on right. the tw- <laughs> 28th uh, of big January. Big disappointment, folks. We are not a live <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, we are not a live show, unfortunately. So, uh, although we've been announcing that there's going to be an event associated with that 200th episode on the 28th, we need to record that show before. Right. And so we're going to do that on the night of January 25th, which is a Thursday. And we're inviting any of our listeners that want to come and uh, join us for some food and some fellowship. If you want to meet me or uh, probably more Jason, you want to meet Jason right. and, yes. and Chip, um, then uh, you can come join us at St. Mark Lutheran Church in Omaha, where we're going to have a live studio audience um, to participate with us in the recording of our 200th episode, including the ability for you to ask a question uh, and have that recorded and aired on the 28th. Um, it would help us if you would RSVP for this event. If you go to eternalconnectionradio.com forward slash RSVP, we have an RSVP form up there for you where you can give us your name, how many guests you're going to bring, including yourself, so we can properly plan for food, uh, and then some just contact information, and then a space to submit a question uh, that you would like to ask, and you can then indicate whether you want to ask that with your own voice <laughs> over the airwaves, or uh, simply just have it answered by us and, uh, and attend uh, the live recording. So. That's the 25th, Thursday the 25th, at St. Mark Lutheran Church for our 200th episode recording, and we're going to eat at 5 o'clock, and then the live recording is going to start at 6 o'clock. 
So the 25th at 5 p.m. for some food and fellowship, and then 6 p.m. for the live recording. We look forward to seeing everybody. All right. With that said, we're going to jump back into Galatians. Chip, why don't you pray for us while everybody else turns to Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. Lord, thank you for coming to us who need you so desperately. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place, taking what I deserved and giving me your righteousness. Thank you, Lord, for your word, the good news that helps me declare, Jesus, you are my king, Christ who lives in me. Jesus, praise your name. Amen. 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 So Galatians chapter 2, verse 15, we we worked our way through uh, verse 16 last week, but Mm -hmm. for the sake of review, uh, Paul has kind of wrapped up his... um, uh, autobiography, if you will, telling his story, which is important to understanding this upcoming passage, by the way, uh, as a Jew who, who lived to please God and relieve himself of being a sinner by following the works of the law. That's what the Jews thought. That's what his, his enemies now who are, who are criticizing him because he became a Christian and is preaching this message of grace that comes freely through Christ. Um, he told his story to say, look, I tried it that way. And the end was death, not only for me, but for the church that I was persecuting, for the people around me. Um, and and if, if I was going to do things my way, God's way, according to what I thought, um, I had it all wrong because God is the God of life. And yet I thought I was serving him by killing people. Right. That's crazy. And yet, ironically enough, if you remember our study from John, that's exactly what Jesus told his apostles would happen in his high priestly prayer. The day is coming when people will think they're serving me by killing you. And Paul's saying, that's me. That I, that's what you get when you try and, and alleviate yourself from sin by doing something for God first. You can do something for him, but that's only going to come after you receive everything he's done for you, which is everything. And that's really what he summarizes in verse 15 and 16 when he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And remember, he's writing to quote unquote Gentile sinners. Now, Paul is not calling them sinners in a pejorative sense, but he's The difficult part of this passage coming up is that Paul is bouncing back and forth between his argument to the Gentiles and against the enemies, and then him kind of in his letter to the Gentiles taking on the role of his enemies, assuming their argument just to dismantle it. And he's going bouncing back and forth before that. And so when he says, we ourselves are Jews, he's lumping himself in for the sake of argument with the very Jews who are telling the Galatians they have to be circumcised. And he's saying, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners like you, Galatians. Yet we know, (laughs) even as Jews, that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And that's a powerful argument, not only to the Galatians, but remember, he's arguing against Jewish Christians, right? Who are saying, oh, yes, you can be a Christian. You can be saved. You can, you can come to Jesus, but you still have to be circumcised. 
This is Peter, who we talked about waffled, right? Right. A Jewish Christian and who himself said, we're not justified by the law. So when he says, we ourselves Jews, no, because that's who he's arguing against. People who confessed Christ and yet who are now saying, yeah, well, it's, it's all grace except, and you remember, Chip, you referenced that book, uh, Jesus plus nothing. Mm-hmm. That's really what he's arguing against. It's, this is what we know. And it's that simple. You're justified apart from the law. And to recap, uh, to go back a little, the Old Testament is where circumcision was first spoke of, right? Yeah, Abraham, chapter 17 of Genesis. Yep. And it was a covenant that was familiar to them back then, a suzerain covenant, which was a one-way promise from a king to one of his subordinates. He's saying, here's what I promise to you, and here's the sign of that promise, without expecting anything back from his subordinates. He was very much bringing his promise to Abraham through the the sacrament of circumcision in a way that would have been familiar. So I have given you salvation. God said to Abraham, I'm literally putting my promise in your flesh. So this is how you're receiving that promise. And in the verse we're reading here in Galatians, that doesn't need to continue. No, no, because it was all fulfilled in Christ. Um, You know, we read it here this past season in Christmas where, um, uh, you know, Jesus was born, he was perfect, he was raised, he was raised in the Jewish faith. uh, And we're, we're getting to the text right now where he was circumcised on the eighth day, just like was commanded, and he was brought for purification to the temple where he saw Simeon, or Simeon saw him. So Christ fulfilled that law perfectly for us. And so when he died and gave his blood, that requirement is over. But that change is what they're struggling with here in terms of yeah. they don't want the re- that change. Yeah, right. And it, mainly it's because it's, it's what they've known their whole life. But it wasn't the act of circumcision that was saving anyone. It was trust in God's promise, right? Just like you go back to the Passover. The blood on the doorposts didn't save anyone <laughs> when the angel of death came. No, the blood wasn't saving them. The blood covered them. And because of the word of God that promised that that, that would make death pass over, death passed over. The blood of that lamb wasn't more powerful than, than God. No, God's death simply passed over them because they believed his word that if they did that, it would save them. So it's always been by faith. And that's really Paul's argument going forward in Galatians chapter 2 after he sets that up. And it's important that we get that connection to understand what comes next in verse 17. So again, let me repeat what he says in 16. He says, we know that a person is not justified, mean made right with God, by works of the law. You can't be good enough for God, but through faith in Jesus Christ who was perfect and who gave us perfect life. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith and not by works of the law. And just to put a cap on it, because by works of the law, 
no one will be justified. Now that has to ring in your ears before you move on to 17. By works of the law, no one will be justified. Then he says, kind of in a rhetorical question slash comment, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ and not by works of the law, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> you know, I, I have tried, I've read commentaries, and when I read them, it makes sense. But then I read this again, and it's like, it's as if I didn't read them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a, so, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, right there, that, that's a little bit of confusing because it makes it sound like it, in our endeavor, that's something that we do, right? And we can't be justified in Christ by anything we do. So, so that's a little bit confusing. Yeah, but you're right on the right track. Okay. It's almost as if he's rhetorically asking by, by making this hypothetical statement. Like, have you noticed those of us that are being justified in Christ are still sinners? Okay. Well, that, see, that makes sense. <laughs> have it, I mean, because that's what his, his critics are, are after, right? You haven't done You still have to do more. Okay. Right? Yeah. He's saying, well, yeah, if we're trying to be justified by the law, then it is preposterous to come to Christ. But, it, because, but we're not it, trying, because if we're justified, then we don't need Jesus. <laughs> right. right. So we're not trying to be justified by the law by coming to Christ. Okay. That That's, that's not going to happen. Certainly not, he says in verse 17. That's not what we're trying to do here. Let me, let me bring it to a level that I think is appropriate for our day. Our coming to Jesus isn't a work. Our faith in him isn't just another thing we're doing to tack on to the laws we're trying to satisfy because his enemies are trying to lump this Christianity into Judaism. Right. Yep. And he's saying, no, that's not what this is. Because if you haven't noticed, I mean, that's his whole argument before, right? Look, guys, I am the chief of sinners. I haven't come to Christ to justify myself. <laughs> Certainly not. I've come to Christ to be justified. So if in my endeavor to be justified in Christ, I'm still fine, I'm 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 still found to be in sin, then are you suggesting that Christ is a servant of sin? Okay, so explain that phraseology. Me becoming a Christian, putting my faith in Jesus doesn't mean I'm all of a sudden less of a sinner. Okay, I get that part. Which means now I need to do more good works, like get circumcised. Right. No. That, to say that means that coming to Christ means he's a servant of sin. He's, he's making me sin. How? Because I'm still sinning when I've come to Christ and I say I have been oh, justified. got it. Okay. I've been made righteous and yet I'm still sinning. Okay. This is what his enemies are struggling with. And enemies is a, again- not enemies, in argument, right? They're, they're arguing against the sufficiency of Christ's grace alone. Okay, so, so tie that to the fact that we, we are justified by what Christ did, 
And yet this side of death, of physical death, we are still sinners. Right. And that's what his, that's what the Judaizers in Galatia are, are kicking against. That's why they're saying you got to do more. We don't look justified yet. We're okay. not holy enough. And Paul's saying in, in, in an admittedly difficult way to read, by saying that you're suggesting Christ is making us more sinful. Okay. No, that's not the case. No. Christ being justified in Jesus doesn't mean you all of a sudden become a better person. This is Luther's point. We are simul justus et peccator. At the same time, we are a sinner because that's who we are in nature. But God has come along and done a work outside of ourselves and made us righteous in his sight because he has placed our sins on Christ and paid the penalty for them. Christ paid the price for our sins. That doesn't mean that, that we, as John would say in his, in his epistle, we're not yet what God has declared us to be. We, we will become the perfect righteousness of God in our person and being when Jesus comes back and there's a resurrection of the dead and a transformation of the living. This is a theological term we call declarative righteousness. Okay. We have been made righteous in God's eyes because he has declared that to be the case. Only because of his son. Only because of Jesus. And God's word, if God says it, it is. Let there be light. Light. Let, let this happen. Let that happen. And it happens because he says. And it happens in his time. Well, and the answer to how can we be righteous and still keep on sinning, it just occurred to me now that as we go to verse 20, correct, that's where it'll pay off. Correct. And so he continues okay. in verse 18, if I rebuild what I tore down, then I prove myself to be a transgressor. He's meaning if I now say that coming to Jesus is a work of law, if I make my faith my work to satisfy God, AKA in our modern time, have enough faith. If you have enough faith, God's going to bless you this way. If you don't have quote unquote enough faith, then bad things are going to happen. Uh, prosperity gospel works, righteousness gospel. Paul is saying, if that's what I'm saying, then I am a transgressor. And he's clearly saying, but I'm not a transgressor because I'm saying I'm righteous. <laughs> I am justified. Not because of me, because of Jesus. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And I would say that even before verse 20, that verse is the linchpin because Paul is now making the argument that says, you guys are fundamentally misunderstanding the point of the law. And my life is a living example of that for you. The law, if I thought the law came for me to obey it enough to be saved, then it actually worked the opposite. It resulted in death, not only of the people I approved to be killed, but it was going to be my own until Christ came for no reason. I had given him no reason. I was persecuting him and saved me and justified me. So the law wasn't sent to justify Instead, the law was sent to do, ironically, exactly what I was doing. Kill me. 
kill me, mm-hmm. to show me that I can't, to show me that if I'm going to get to heaven, here's God's expectations. And in case you were confused, Jesus clears this up in his Beatitudes, right? He said, you've heard it said, don't murder. And everybody in the Jewish community would have said, yeah, that's what God said, don't murder. And now Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He says, but I tell you, if you've hated in your heart, you've already killed that person in God's eyes. Because murder doesn't just happen. Murder is the fruit of hate. So Jesus is saying, guys, the law was given. When I told you not to kill, yes, that's true. I don't want you to kill. But every time you have that thing inside of you that's like, I wish I could just punch that guy in the teeth or you know, whatever crazy, stupid thoughts we have in our head when we get frustrated, that's to reveal who you really are to yourself. That, that you can't keep this law. You can't be good enough. And God comes with us to us with that message first. Not so that we would try and, and best him <laughs> by saying, all right, God, I'll fulfill those commandments. But instead, God sends the law to show us we can't so that we would repent and be justified by grace. And so Paul says in verse 19, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. That struck me odd when you first read that. That's a putting yourselves in the same shoes as Jesus. Yeah, you. I could see how you could draw that conclusion. He's certainly not saying that that I have been crucified like Christ. No, I've been crucified with him. And what he's communicating is when Jesus died, it killed me. Because I am, I, that's the death I deserve. He took my sin. He fulfilled the law perfectly. And when his perfect blood was shed in my place, he killed me. I have died to the law in the grace of God, meaning I'm now free from the law. This creature that I am, bound by God's law, d- destined for damnation because I can't be good enough for God, because I willfully choose to ignore him and walk away from him, that man has died because Christ killed him on the cross with, with his own death. Does that make sense? Yeah, to a degree. Um, I would definitely would agree with you, Chip. It's a... Uh several verses that are uh, uh, pretty hard to understand on the first read. Yeah. And so he says, it's no longer I who live, because as Paul would admit, if it was up to me to live, I die. <laughs> right? I w- yeah, I wouldn't I, make it if it was up I, to I me. I wouldn't make it. And I am living. I'm living eternally now. And so it's not me living, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live not by the law, but by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So in other words, when he said it is finished, there's nothing else that I need to worry about doing because I can't and I wouldn't. So because Christ did it all for me, 
I'm covered by his righteousness, by his blood. So when I say it's not me that lives, it's Christ who lives in me, that is the ultimate profession of faith. It's like, Lord, I know that I'm, I'm doomed by myself. You had to do it all for me. You had to come kill me. You had to raise me again and give me eternal life. It's all you. Yeah, and he's, Paul's not just talking about being alive, right? I mean, yeah, those that, that don't believe in Jesus, they could say, well, okay, it's not you who live, but I live. Well, Paul's like, yeah, but you're going to die. And if you don't believe in Jesus, then you're not living because all this will be for nothing. No, if you truly want to live, like live, both in eternity and now, that's Christ living in you. You have to die. And yet that's so contrary to how we think about truly living. We have to do more. God expects more from me. No, what God really wants you to do is die. He wants you to, as his son said, pick up your cross and follow him. Because there's, there's no hope of truly knowing the full grace of God as long as you keep thinking he expects something from you in order to be saved. Now, if you, if you are a saved Christian, yes, there are expectations. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> right? Uh, we, we know the truth. We, we get to live. We know right and wrong. We know the vested value in this, and he's made us a new creation, a creation and set us free in order to be able to serve God, not out of obligation, but out of, out of willful joyfulness in gratitude for what he's done. So it's not that there isn't expectation, but it's what comes first. It's because of sin, death before life, not life before death. For When we're talking about eternity, death comes first. And that's why Jesus said the Son of Man has come to die, so that he and everyone else might live. That's not the way it was intended. But, but we brought sin into this world, and we can't pay for it. But we, we couldn't do enough. If it's going to be taken care of, somebody else has to pay that price and, and give it to us as a gift because I, I, I don't know if you realize you said this, uh, but I, I say it quite regularly, Chip, Christ did not only what we couldn't, but what we wouldn't do even if we could. Because that communicates, it's not just my inability to be righteous, it's my desire to be evil. Yeah, most of us would have ran from that cross. Just like Adam and Eve ran from God when they knew their sin. They hid. That's what we do because of shame. We, to think that on any level you can do something in order to convince God to save you is simply you just not being honest with yourself. And in the Lutheran Church, we say that all the time in our confession from 1 John 1, right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us every time. And it's Paul that wrote in Romans, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then the glorious words after is Jesus. Thanks be to God Thanks through be Jesus God. Christ, Jesus. our Lord. Yeah. Amen. And before we go, just a reminder to everybody about our live 
recording session for the 200th episode. It's going to happen at St. Mark Lutheran Church on 90th and Blondo, Thursday, January 25th. Mark your calendars. Uh, We will start a meal at 5 o'clock p.m. and then start recording at 6 o'clock. You can go and RSVP for us so that we know how much food to buy uh, at eternalconnectionradio.com forward slash RSVP. Uh, Put your name, uh, email, let us know how many people you're planning on bringing, and uh, we can't wait to see everybody there. Thank you.